0: Romans thirteen one starts this way: Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Now, I've heard this verse used to say that the American War for Independence was unbiblical because the colonies were not submitting to the governing authorities in England. Was that the case? All right, this will be the last podcast. Uh, with bare Christianity as the title for this podcast. So the name is going to change. I've mentioned this the last few episodes, uh, but the name of this podcast will be changing to Doctrine for Doxology. Doctrine for Doxology, a lot more on why the name change and all that stuff um, next week. Uh, But it's going to be Doctrine for, that's the number four, doxology now you should be able to if you're already subscribed to this podcast it should stay the same um, it's just that the artwork and stuff will will be different um, but it should should all be the same stuff so so hopefully that works out well <laughs> we'll see. But you can always email me. This email will still be active, BearChristianity at gmail dot com. And then I'm on Instagram at the real Bear Martin. Now today we're talking about Christians and submitting to governing authorities. And also I've been listening to some lectures on the American War for Independence. Also known as the Revolutionary War. Now, the um, the the I will call it the American War for Independence because I've been convinced by that uh, by the guy who who's doing a lot of these lectures. I'm listening to. It's on the Canon Plus app. I've mentioned this app several times before. Great, just Christian content uh, in lots of different areas for family and uh, husbands and wives and just um, apologetics and philosophy and all kinds of stuff on there. So it is a very, very good resource, Canon Plus. It's C-A-N-O-N. On that app, there is a lecture series by Steve Wilkins, W-I-L-K-I-N-S, Steve Wilkins, and I've just really enjoyed uh, hearing the different lectures. Most of them are on the American War for Independence. He's got a few on the Civil War. Um, he's got some on the the Puritans and and you know, early uh, um, settlers of the American continent and stuff like that. So I've just really enjoyed going back and reviewing some of that material that you learn in middle school and high school, and also just understanding that, uh, or coming to the realization that I did not retain a lot, a lot of important details. So that's been uh, really fun for me, and it's kind of been the motivation, too, for this episode. So uh Romans 13 is a a big topic. There's you can find lots of different opinions on um uh, how we how we apply this today as Christians. And so I'll give you my take on it and also sort of tie in some uh some of the American War for Independence and were they violating Romans 13 by not submitting to the authorities in England and and stuff like that. So that's what we'll talk about. Today. Now, in leading up to Romans 13, we have to ask, you know, why is Paul, why would Paul write Romans 13? And so you got to look at the stuff before that and just kind of follow his train of thought. And so in Romans 12, 18 through 21, these are the verses right before Romans 13, Paul writes, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, "Vengeance is mine, I will repay," says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him; if he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, ev- uh, do not be, excuse me, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So just a, a few key points there. We are to live peaceably with all, so far as it depends on us. We are not to take vengeance. We are, we are to leave vengeance up to God. And then we are to overcome evil with good. So, that is what Paul is emphasizing as he leads into Romans 13, 1-7. So, just keep those points in mind as I read this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, Revenue, to whom revenue is owed, respect, to whom respect is owed, honor, to whom honor is owed. So there, when we think about Paul leading up to this passage in Romans 13, live peaceably with all, don't take vengeance, vengeance is the Lord's, overcome evil with good, then we get to this part about the governing authorities. Yes, we are to be subject to the governing authorities, but also we are to realize that the governing authorities are for our good. It says that that the governing authorities are the servant of God for our good. They are to uh, execute justice. They are to um, punish evil. They are to reward those who do good. So that is the purpose of the governing authorities. This is not a blanket statement of no matter what they say, we have to obey them no matter what. Obviously, there's plenty of, of examples in the Bible where godly men and women disobey the governing authorities. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the, do not bow to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. Um, they are thrown into the fiery furnace, and the Lord delivers them. But uh, that that's in Daniel 3. Um, in Acts 5, the apostles are preaching in the temple— and they're put in prison. They're miraculously set free from prison, and they go back and start preaching in the temple again. And the high priest says, you know, um, why are you doing this, essentially? Uh, We told you not to, and Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. In Exodus 1, the Hebrew midwives disobey Pharaoh's orders to kill any uh, baby boy, so that these midwives, as the the child is being born. Pharaoh says, "If it's a boy, kill it. If it's a if it's a female, then they can live." And and the Hebrew midwives disobey. They lie to Pharaoh um, and say that the that the Hebrew women are are strong and tough, and they're having the children before the midwives can get there. And so um, so they disobey Pharaoh's orders. So those examples are easy because it it's very clear that the the person in earthly authority is violating the clear commands of God you know we are not to worship images go you know statues and images and idols and so shadrach meshach and abednego of course can um can can refuse to obey nebuchadnezzar and so the the apostles are preaching the gospel. of course, we're told to to preach the gospel. and so um, you know those are really easy ones the The midwives are not to murder. I mean, that's an easy one as well. So those are really easy. but what about um, other other things like the uh, American War for Independence? Were the American colonies guilty of violating? Romans 13, where Paul says, be su- let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. So how do, we, how do we think about that? Well, the first thing we have to realize about Romans 13 is that it's very clear that the ultimate authority is God. Christians are submitting to God's authority, and then we are submitting to all other authorities because we submit to God. So our submission to government authority is not placing our trust in, in civil government. It is placing our trust in God. And because we believe that God is sovereign over all things, then we can submit to the authorities that God has, has placed before us. So in Ephesians 5.22, we are told, wives, submit to your own husbands, listen to this phrase, as to the Lord. So a a wife should submit to her husband as to the Lord. The the husband is not perfect, but the wife, the Christian wife, out of service to the Lord is to submit to her husband. A few verses down, Ephesians 6, 1, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right.'" The the parents are not going to be perfect, but the children are to obey them as they obey the Lord, in the Lord." Um, if, a few verses down in Ephesians six five, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. And so, uh, a modern example of this verse would be an employee obeying their employer. And so we are we submit to authorities as to the Lord. So that is that, that's the first point that I want to make there. So as As citizens of countries, and I'm in America, so as an American citizen, a Christian should be a good, law-abiding citizen. Christians should not be for anarchy and just chaos and everybody just doing you know what they want to do and you know not paying taxes, not obeying any any sort of civil government law. Um, that is not what the Christians should do. The Christians should be a peaceful, law-abiding citizen. Now we got to think about also what is the purpose for the governing authorities. Rulers are actually, well, not all rulers, <laughs> but rulers can be and should be a blessing from God. So again, Romans 13 verses 3 and 4, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. Good. So that is the purpose of governing authorities. Governing authorities are to serve the, the people that they rule over. Just like a husband is to serve his wife and parents are to serve their children and masters are to, to serve their employees, the, the that is the way we are supposed to rule. We are supposed... People that are in leadership and authority should be a blessing to those that they are in authority over. They should, they should not be a curse. Now, this is you know, it's it's tough to see that that rulers can be a blessing because we have so much corruption in our government. I don't I don't really know of anybody who's just thrilled with the the way that the American government uh, is running right now. Um, but just to to drive home the point that rulers can can be a blessing from God, David, near his death, says in Second Samuel twenty-three verses three and four, the God of Israel has spoken. The Rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. <clears throat> so a a a godly ruler one who rules justly over men is is refreshing to those that they rule over so if you are a a leader in any way um you know take a second and think about how you are leading i'm doing this in my own heart right now um am i refreshing to those that i lead or am I a curse, <laughs> so, so to speak, um, for those that I have authority over in in different ways? So that would be family and business and, and different things like that. So, um, so we should be, if you're in any kind of leadership position, strive to do that in a just manner, rule justly over those who you, you have authority over and in the fear of God. Now, When is it okay to resist authorities? We've talked about the the biblical examples, but now let's talk about in in the context of the uh, American War for Independence. So were they truly uh, violating Romans 13— or did they have justification for, for wanting independence? A very popular document that circulated in the colonies leading up to the American War for Independence is called Vindicii Contra Tyrannus. Vindicii Contra Tyrannus. It's Latin for the defense of liberty against tyrants. The defense of liberty against tyrants. And this was written in 1579 in France it, by a French Huguenot the Huguenots were Protestants in France and um during that time the the king and uh and the king sort of sided with Roman Catholics and there was a lot of persecution that um like one example would be the Saint Bartholomew's Day Mac- massacre where thousands of Huguenots were slaughtered and so th- this this um Vindiciae Contra Tyrannus was written kind of in that context and, and published anonymously in 1579. But the reason that it was so popular in the American colonies is because it is very strong biblical argumentation that justifies people resisting a tyrant and that is what the american colonies were accusing king george the of of becoming he 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 was a tyrant and so now they had the right to claim their or declare their independence from him and so uh, there's the the Vinditiae contra tyrannus the tract it answers four basic questions And so those questions, let me just, these are sort of a a paraphrase, but are subjects bound to obey princes? Is it lawful to resist a prince who violates the law of God? Is it lawful to resist a prince who oppresses or ruins a public state? And then question four, are neighbor princes bound by law to aid the subjects of other princes? Okay, so those are the, the four questions but a, a, a kind of an easier way to sum up this document Vindiciae contra tyrannos would be that there are ultimately two covenants when it comes to governing authorities there are two covenants that are made covenant 1 is between god the king or the whatever the authority is god the king and the people and so uh, an easy way to think of this is that covenant would be the bible and so that is the the written covenant, and so the the God makes this with the king and the people. God places the king in authority over them, and God holds the people responsible to obey the governing authority but the the thing that the the written covenant between them is the Bible, and so the people can hold the king to up uh, to obeying. God's laws. So if the king is telling the people to violate God's laws, they are no longer bound to obey that king. And, and in fact, the king is is violating the covenant and will be judged by God. All right. So let me let me read some quotes here from Fendicia Contra Tyrannus. Again, ex, this is an extremely popular tract in the American colonies. And one of the reasons that you don't hear about this a lot in uh, in history or or in modern history is because it's such so, it's such strong biblical argumentation and of course modern historians want to just wipe out any any um evidence at all that our our country was founded on Christian biblical principles that's a that that could be a whole different episode. Uh, of uh, you know proving that point, but very much the the American colonies had a biblical Christian worldview. That doesn't mean that everybody was a uh, was a true Christian, but it does mean that the predominant worldview, the way people thought, um, and and the influence that the Bible had on the way people lived their lives was it was much stronger than it is in America today. So. Uh, remember, uh, rulers, according to Romans thirteen four, are God's servant for your good. Um, so here's Venditiae Contra Tyrannus. Quote, Neither let us imagine that kings were chosen to apply to their own proper use the goods that are gotten by the sweat of their subjects. For every man loves and cherishes his own they have not received the power and authority of the people to make it serve as a pander to their pleasures. So it's saying that the purpose of the authority the king has is not for the subjects to just make them wealthier. All right, the king is to serve the people that he is in authority over. Another quote, let us then conclude that they are established in this place to maintain so that they here is the governing authorities so that the governing authorities are established in their place to maintain by justice and to defend by force of arms both the public state and the particular persons from all damages and outrages this is the this really is this simple uh, responsibility of government they are to maintain justice and they are to defend, by, by force of arms if necessary, the public state and also the particular persons. Okay, So they are to uphold justice and defend the, the people that they are in authority over. If the government would just stick to that, um, I think a lot of people would be a whole lot happier with the, with the government. And the government really truly could be that blessing that I talked about earlier. So um, to continue on, Venditiae Contra Tyrannus, the author quotes St. Augustine then. He says, St. Augustine said, "...those are properly called lords and masters who provide for the good and profit of others, as the husband for the wife." Fathers for their children, so do you hear the biblical argumentation here? Uh, I mentioned how we are to submit the husband um, is in authority the the wife submits to the husband the the children are to submit or obey their parents and so here this it, this is a quote from Saint augustine but it's it's clearly biblical argumentation for when it is uh, right and just for a people to to resist the uh, the earthly authority over them. So that's the first covenant. The, there's a covenant between God, the king, and the people. And then covenant two would be between the king and the people. And in America, a, a good example of this would be the constitution. Or if you're in a different nation, the, the laws of that land. So in America, the Constitution is really the governing authority. It, it, the Constitution is the highest earthly authority that we have in America. So just because the president or Congress or the Supreme Court says that we have to do something as American citizens does not mean that we have to submit to what they say. that That is not what Romans 13 is is about. Our governing authority is the Constitution. That means that our covenant between our leaders and the American people is the Constitution. So if the the uh, American government, if they are telling us to do something that either violates God's laws, that's Covenant 1, or Covenant 2, it violates the Constitution, then w- the, we do not have to obey them. And we are not violating Romans 13 when we do. Vindiciae Contra Tyrannus on on this subject says this, There is therefore a mutual obligation between the king and the people, which whether it be civil or natural only, whether tacit or expressed in words, it cannot by any means be annihilated or by any law be abrogated, much less by force made void. And this obligation is of such power that the prince who willfully violates it is a tyrant, and the people who purposefully break it must be justly termed seditious. So what it's saying here is that when a a king, or like for, again, for an American example, if the president steps outside of the bounds of the Constitution and is forcing the American people to do whatever he he wants them to do. Right. This Venditiae Contra Tranis is saying that person is now considered a tyrant. They they do not they they do not have authority in that area. They are stepping outside of their their bounds. And equally so when a people step outside the bounds of the Constitution, they are guilty of treason. And so that that's that's what it's summing up there. There is a, a covenant between the King and the people, now one important point here is just because the the King um, or the President or whatever, just because they do one thing that steps outside the Constitution does not mean that all bets are off like like we can we don't have to obey any laws in America anymore because they stepped over on this one thing no we we challenge based on the Constitution our right to to disobey that, or or we say that is an unconstitutional mandate or law or whatever, and so we we challenge that legally. So again, we don't just jump straight to chaos and and rebellion and and war. There is there's we we try our best. Remember Romans twelve, um, right at the end. We, we as best as we can, we try our best to live peaceably with all people. All right. And so and that ultimately again is where our our trust in God comes in because we have to have the courage to say no I will not do that that is a violation of God's law or sometimes that is a violation of of constitutional law and so I will not do that. We have to have courage there because it's, a lot of times it's easier just to go go with the flow. In fact the American colonies early on uh, English parliament s- stepped outside of their bounds and started enforcing law or passing laws that were affecting the American colonies. And they kind of went along with it at first, and then it it became a-, a much bigger problem. So we have to have courage in those situations. And so that that leads me to uh, the-, the kind of the history lesson here on the American War for Independence. Why did the colonies, uh, why do I think they were right in declaring their independence from England? What's really important to realize is that the colonies were covenanted with the king of England through charters. So you can think of each of the colonies as separate nations, if you you want to, and, and each of those had a separate agreement with the king of England. Again, those were called charters. Now, the king of England had so so the colonies could have legislatures of their own, they could pass their own laws, and then the king of England had the right to veto those laws. So the king of England did have authority over the American colonies. But the English Parliament had zero authority over the American colonies. They had nothing to do with the American colonies. So when English Parliament began taxing the American colonies and and passing laws that clearly were advantageous to England, but not the colonies, that's when it became a big problem. When English Parliament started passing laws and taxes on the American colonies, that would be like California passing laws that stated that North Carolina citizens had to pay California extra money, you know, extra taxes. As, as a North Carolinian, I would say that is ridiculous. The, the California legislature has zero authority over me. And so, living in California, and so that that's kind of like what it was. The American colonies are like, whoa, whoa, whoa! The English Parliament has no authority over us, and so we hear the the phrase "no taxation without representation." The American colonies were not trying to get members into English Parliament; they were simply saying we are no, we have nothing to do with English Parliament. We're not represented there at all, and and English Parliament has no authority over us. And so here's where the problem came in. King George Third sided with Parliament. So it was very clear that he was supporting what Parliament was doing. And so it, basically, King George III violated his covenant with the American colonies. He violated his charters. And so therefore, he was considered a tyrant. And the, the colonies felt that they had just grounds for declaring their independence from the King of England. So the King of England violated his part first, and then they declared independence, and that is what the Declaration of Independence is about. I, I read through it again this week. The The main portion of it is they're just listing out specifically the various reasons that they are saying that this we are considering uh, King George a tyrant, and we are declaring our independence from him. Also, if you've read Venditiae Contra Tyrannus and you read the Declaration of Independence, you see these similar ideas popping up. And so, again, Vindicie Contra Tyrannus was a, a massive influence on the American colonies, and so you see some of that language in the Declaration of Independence. So, obviously, I do not believe that the American War for Independence was was unbiblical or was a violation of Romans 13 in any way. So hopefully that was fun, a little history lesson. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, kind of relearning a lot of this information and, and thinking about it from a biblical standpoint. So Romans 13 is often misunderstood. It is not an excuse to be a coward or to just give in, to just go with the flow and just give in to uh, government demands, um, and it does take courage to stand up and to to things that are against God's law. Of course, that takes uh, courage, but also things that are unconstitutional. So, when we think about Romans thirteen, that we are to, to that everyone is to be subject to the governing authorities. Uh, for an American, our, our governing authority, really the highest authority in our land is the Constitution. It is not what the President says, or what Congress says, or what the Supreme Court says. We are, we are in a covenant with our leaders based on what the constitution says. So, uh Doug Wilson who lectures some on these um these history lectures that I'm listening to about the American War for Independence. Um he says, you know, suppose that the Supreme Court ruled that we that each state should actually have three senators. That the constitution says two, but what it really means is three. Well, we we would say no, that is unconstitutional. We have a written we have it written down. I I can read and understand that two is not three, and so uh, we don't just have to go with the flow no matter what the governing authorities say. Because uh, truly, our our highest governing authority in America would be the Constitution, and then on a greater level, the the highest authority, the ultimate authority we have is God, and and God's law, which is is found in the Bible. Now, just to be clear, I'm not advocating for anarchy or, or rebellion uh, from our government or anything like that. I think Christians should be the best citizens in the overwhelming majority of situations. But we will stand up and and not violate the law of God, and we will not um, allow our our government leaders to force unconstitutional laws or mandates or anything like that on us, and so the the courage that we have in those situations is evidence that our ultimate trust is in God, He is sovereign over all things, and so when we if we are uh, told that we can't meet publicly to to worship God in church and people are and we are put in prison for that then ultimately our our trust is is in God that that he uh that vengeance is his and so uh he is the one who will will judge the rulers for whether they ruled um, correctly and uh, in in fear of the Lord or whether they were a tyrant and so uh ultimately our trust is in God and that that is where the the Christian hope is a great closing verse is Matthew 22:21 Jesus said, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's.